2: The will to act is itself a renewable
3: resource. Hello and welcome to Climactic, a podcast on the Climactic Collective, a group of independent podcasters from across the range of the climate communities of Australia and New Zealand. Every week on Climactic, rain or shine, we either produce or feature an episode of a climate-engaged podcast. This could be from one of the shows on the Climactic Collective or beyond, and you'll always find a link to the show we're featuring at the top of the show notes. Hello and welcome to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective. My name is Mark Spencer, and today is an episode from Climate Conversations. A stalwart, tenacious, ever-reliable member of the Climactic Collective I'm happy to say I've moved back to Australia and finally had the chance to meet Robert McLean, host of Climate Conversations, in person a couple weeks ago. It's been a very funny time the last two years, how you can meet people and get to know them very well through our computer screens, through Zoom. But there's something about meeting someone in person, getting to breathe the same air. That's so lovely to now start to be able to do again. As I record this, it's Sunday the 13th of March, which means in the state of Victoria, tomorrow is a public holiday, and that holiday is Labor Day. And I noticed that when you have a look at the list of public holidays celebrated in Victoria, Labor Day doesn't have a link out to its history and its meaning, which I think is a missed opportunity, because Labor Day has its origin in the eight-hour workday movement, which advocated for eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, and eight hours of recreation. In 1856, workers in both Sydney and Melbourne demonstrated for an eight-hour workday. However, it was on April 21st that the Victorian stonemasons organized a well-staged and executed protest. And following on from the success of the eight-hour day protests, they celebrated that year with a holiday and a procession held on Monday, the 12th of May. And I bring this up because it's very relevant to today's episode. Because most of us, the vast majority, have jobs. And in those jobs, in the course of doing them, we collectively shape the world. Robert's episode this week is all about Therma, a startup based in the US that's tackling both food waste and trying to lower the thermostat of food storage worldwide. Now, avoiding food waste and shrinkage and spoilage is very close to my mind, as this morning, after moving into my new apartment a week ago, had to throw out some food that had gone off. It can happen to all of us, it's probably happened to you at least once, but it's also very easy to avoid. And you'll hear in this episode why it's so important to do so. And it's a problem that's easy enough to confront in our own homes, but in a workplace environment, in a complex global supply chain, it can be easy to write off as just part of the system, the cost of doing business. But I was personally very inspired by Manic and the mission of Therma, and having done a bit of work myself in refrigeration in the past and communicating its importance regarding climate change. I enjoyed this episode a great deal, and I think you're going to get a lot from it as well. So it's with great pleasure, I'll now hand over to Robert to take it from here, and I look forward to you coming back next week for another episode of Climactic. Enjoy!
0: Therma is helping to reduce the footprint, the energy footprint, by uh, making it possible to run equipment a little closer to the threshold. You don't need to overcool as much. You can use our monitoring to ensure the product doesn't get spoiled. And in the process, you can raise the thermostat a couple of degrees, which actually makes a big difference over time.
2: That's the founder and CEO of the US company Therma, Manik Suri. Manek believes that if we make the right investments in our cooling systems and our food cooling systems, we can have a big impact on the world's carbon emissions. We'll have a few formalities, then we'll listen to our conversation with Manek. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean and I'm coming to you from Shepparton, in Victoria, Australia, from the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I've been involved with the practical side of the climate conversation since the early 2000s. That's attending lectures and reading whatever I could find. And although the public interest has broadened as the years have passed, it became apparent to me a few years ago that much more needed to be said, and it was important, terribly important that we were making much more noise. Unsure of what to do to reach more people, I decided to try my hand, or should I say more correctly, my voice, at podcasting, and what you're listening to now is the result of those efforts. There appeared to be a great silence about the climate crisis, and this podcast is an effort by me to increase the volume of my voice and so help end that silence. Fortunately, it was not as silent as I had thought, as many other podcasters were beavering away and were attempting to alert the world to the climate crisis. And several months ago, I was found, so to speak, by Mark Spencer from the Climactic Collective. Music for this podcast comes courtesy of Music for a Warming World, a Melbourne-based group, and you'll find a link to that group in the episode notes. I trust you'll enjoy this episode, and if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends. Pleasure to be here today. Manic I'm really intrigued why you picked a small podcast in regional Australia to promote Therma.
0: Well, I appreciate that. We're looking to get the word out to folks around the world about what's, uh, what's kind of, you know, in our mind, a big source of warming and a big source of emissions. And we're trying to, you know, uh, get people around different parts of the world to check out technologies like ours. So I guess it's a chance to, to you know, uh, get to know people in different parts of the world and, and hopefully celebrate some of the potential for technology.
2: Manik, I've recorded what you said at at, uh, Glasgow, so that sort of gives me a good overview of what happens with Therma, but can you give me, imagine I was a potential customer, how would you explain Therma to me?
0: Yeah, I would say Therma is a smart refrigeration monitoring product that helps reduce waste and loss in refrigeration and helps businesses save money and also protect the environment by catching loss events and reducing equipment failures. So what brought the idea of
2: Therma on for you, Manik?
0: Well, I started working with uh, the food industry uh, coming out of government. I was working in food safety and quality, trying to help build technology to make products safer and improve compliance. And we realized in the process of doing that, we were scaling a previous product called CoInspect, collaborative inspect in the food industry. We had about 5,000 locations uh, using the tool, and we discovered that a big source of the uh, problem and a big source of the challenge was around the temperature that the product was being held at. And so that's what got us started thinking about refrigeration. And as we discovered that there's lots of issues with refrigeration temperature, uh, we discovered not only the compliance and the safety implications of temperature monitoring, but the climate and sustainability implications. turns out refrigeration is responsible for a lot of emissions across food waste, uh, refrigerant leaks, and energy consumed. And that's what got us really excited about the possibility of building a, a solution for that. And that's how Therma gets started.
2: So can you tell me a little about yourself, Manic? Why, how did you get into this, this field?
0: Yeah, I started my career working in uh, finance and uh, eventually... I uh, moved into technology after going to law school. So I started out working as an investor, decided to go to law school to try and work in government and make a difference, wanting to, to help uh, improve public policy and, uh, and, and work on problems uh, of social significance. I ended up working as a junior person uh, in the uh, White House on the uh, Obama uh, Economic Policy Council, President Obama's economic advisory team. And I ended up uh, meeting a woman there. Uh, she was the deputy CTO, Beth Novick. And she was a former lawyer herself, a recovering attorney, as she jokes. Uh, and so I think that, that that conversation that I had with her and the, and the talk she was giving at the time is what shaped my career. She was doing a talk on a book she'd written called The Wiki Government about how technology was transforming social and commercial life, but law and government were still run like it's 1950. And uh, I started thinking about, well, maybe we could build technology to improve uh, workflows around governance and, and compliance and regulation, and that's how I ended up uh, leaving government to start working with Beth on a center uh, to build tech uh, for good, and then, then from there, I ended up starting Covenspect and then Therma.
2: So cooling has a big impact on global emissions, so what what effect does Therma have for that
0: Yeah well, we're helping uh making dent. By helping reduce the amount of product spoilage that happens, first and foremost, we catch tons of food safety and food quality issues, uh, but also reduce food waste by helping businesses see when refrigeration equipment is going to go down or catching it after it's gone down. That helps them uh, send someone in or fix things proactively, and in doing that, they can catch uh hundreds or thousands of dollars of inventory loss, which is good for their bottom line, but also avoid that product ending up in the landfill. And food waste, as you you and many listeners probably know, is one of the biggest single sources of emissions. A third of all food that gets made ends up getting thrown out. And it's a crazy number. Um uh, and it's a big it sure is a crazy number, isn't it? Yeah, one third. Absolutely. And a lot of that doesn't have to happen. This is preventable waste. We're not talking about um, you know, product that spoils on the field or that uh, you know, ends up not getting bought. This is stuff that's sitting in refrigeration, close to consumption. It's already gone through the entire supply chain. Huge amounts of effort and energy and emissions have gone into getting that product right there. So to have it thrown out at the last mile, the last minute, is just a shame. And we're trying to reduce that. And that's kind of the first way in which we reduce emissions. Additionally, thermo helps reduce the energy footprint of refrigeration as well. Talk to me about overcooling, Manic. Yeah. The the refrigeration industry uses a huge amount of power. Refrigeration is a big source of electricity spend. In a typical restaurant over here in the US, it can be responsible for 30 to 40 percent of the energy bill every month. And It turns out that there's not a lot of optimization going on with refrigeration energy. Most people plug in the fridge or freezer or display case in the wall. They set a set point and they let it go. Well, that means that the refrigeration is running regardless of time of day or day of year, regardless of energy prices. um, And it's also often set colder than it needs to be. Therma is helping to reduce the footprint, the energy footprint, by uh, making it possible to run equipment a little closer to the threshold. You don't need to overcool as much. You can use our monitoring to ensure the product doesn't get spoiled. And in the process, you can raise the thermostat a couple of degrees, which actually makes a big difference over time. Additionally, we're exploring a new uh, concept, a new product that would allow us to turn refrigeration off in response to energy prices surging or energy becoming. Uh, higher demand on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. And if you can turn refrigeration off for short periods of time with good monitoring, that can help alleviate the stress on electricity grids. It can help reduce uh, demand at times when the utilities need it. So that's another way to save energy, uh, both for the customer and also for the utility.
2: Manik, I live in Victoria's Goulburn Valley, which is a, is considered to be one of Australia's uh, food, uh, food uh, sources. Uh, it's a huge irrigation area with many dairy farms and lots of orchards and, of course, lots of cool stores. So what thing, What benefits can Therma bring to them?
0: Well, absolutely. We um, we work uh, across the food supply chain. Uh, I should mention that I grew up in what's considered by many kind of the ag belt or uh, the the food basket of the U.S., which is Central California. And I live now in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, where Therma is headquartered. We have lots of uh, customers that are producers uh, that are on the farm or near the farm, uh, including folks that need monitoring of products around dairy, around proteins, around uh, uh, temperature sensitive Seafoods. Uh, So we have lots of folks that are working with Therma that actually produce food or uh, store it and distribute it. Uh, Cold storage warehouses, distribution centers, uh, lots of those environments need better monitoring. And our low cost, remote, and reliable system has helped uh, many, many businesses. We have over 1,100 customers uh, across the food supply chain. So I would love to talk to anyone in your region or other places in uh, Australia and around the world. We've been deploying Therma primarily in North America, but recently we've started expanding internationally. And now we've got Therma deployed in a half dozen countries.
2: I was going to ask, how does anybody outside the US access Therma products?
0: Yeah, well, it's quite simple. We can ship our sensors anywhere in the world. Uh, We have a, a website where you can purchase and order them for direct shipment. So it doesn't matter where you're based. It's uh, easy to get them fulfilled and have them installed. The technology itself works uh, globally. It doesn't require a specific uh, geography. It uses a low bandwidth radio that's available essentially everywhere to connect sensors to hubs. And then it uses uh, a cellular or Wi-Fi network to get the signal back. And, and as long as you have either cell or Wi-Fi uh, in your facilities or in the areas that you're wanting to monitor, we can get a signal. Uh, And so we've been able to deploy pretty much everywhere.
2: All this stuff sounds quite technical. So that's not really your background from what I can understand. So do you have specialists who work on this product?
0: We do. We do. I am not an engineer by training. We're a 70-person team. Uh, Our product engineering team comes from a much more uh, energy and uh, Internet of Things or IoT and mobile app uh, a data science background, so those are the skill sets we have. We have um, folks that have a background across software engineering and hardware engineering and data scientists, but we try to make the product really simple. Simple enough that uh, a non-technical person like myself can drop it into place, uh, get it up and running in a matter of minutes, and, uh, and and have monitoring going right away, and so it's really designed to be simple. It's a drop in place system, self-install, takes about 15 minutes to get started. Uh, no technician required.
2: What's been the take up of your technology?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited, uh, Robert, to say that we've had a strong uh, interest in growth over the last couple of years. Uh, since launching Therma two years ago, uh, we're coming up on 10,000 sensors in the world and trying to get from 10,000 to 100,000. There's a huge amount of refrigeration in the business world, close to 90 million units, uh, and, and you know, getting to 10,000 or even 100,000 of those being monitored is just a drop in the bucket. So it's been really exciting to see the growth and the interest in using tools like this to save money and help protect the planet. But uh, I think we're just getting started.
2: So what do you think Therma will do in terms of helping us avoid the worst of climate change?
0: Well, I think that our, our vision around this is to really be part of the clean cooling revolution. As cold chain and, and refrigeration grows, and we expect it will grow because more and more people around the world want to have perishable product. They want access to fresh food. They want access to protein. Uh, they definitely need access to pharmaceuticals, vaccines, and drugs that are temperature sensitive. So we expect refrigeration will keep growing as much of the world continues to develop. Uh, we would like to reduce the emissions and, and, and clean up that cooling layer. Uh, and so we think that Therma at scale could make a dent in the, you know, 7 to 8% of emissions that's related to the cold chain between food waste, energy waste and refrigerant leaks. That's what we're hoping to do.
2: This might be obvious, but where did the name Therma come from, Manny?
0: Sure, well, the, it's actually a an acronym. It's a team of nerds over here. It's <laughs> short for Temperature, Humidity, Energy, Remote Monitoring Application. That's the, yeah. the Therma. I love it. Thank you, thank you, yeah. We try to be clever where we can.
2: Manny, is there something else you'd like to say about Therma?
0: We're very excited to be on today. It's been a pleasure uh, to to get to meet many people around the world that care about technology and sustainability uh, and the food supply chain. Um, We're very much in growth mode. We're hiring, we've got a dozen open roles Uh, the remote roles. We're also raising capital. Uh, We've uh, continued to build out our team and and develop partnerships. So if you're interested in learning more, please check us out. Uh, We're online at hellotherma.com or on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you'd like to chat, I'm available as well. Please reach out to me anytime. It's Monik Suri. That's Monik, M-A-N-I-K, at hellotherma.com. It's been a pleasure being on.
2: I really appreciate talking to you. That's been wonderful. So so thanks, Manik. You take care, won't you?
0: I appreciate that. It's a nice conversation. Thanks for having me on.
2: As I mentioned earlier, Manik was one of three or four speakers at a New York Times webinar organized as a part of last year's COP26 in Glasgow. Manik and his counterparts talked about building a climate resilient supply chain, a supply chain that would survive even when times were really tough. This is what many had to say about Therma. Um,
1: I run a company called Therma based in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're focused on building a smart cold chain, uh, really taking on the challenge of clean cooling. Cooling in the cold chain is responsible for moving over a trillion dollars of perishables around the world every year. It's how we get fruits and vegetables, dairy, proteins, and, of course, drugs and vaccines Uh, and it's critical for human health uh, and obviously uh, uh, taken on new valence in the last year and year and a half with the importance of vaccine delivery but it's always been important for the last hundred plus years what most people don't realize is that cooling is responsible for almost 10 percent of all emissions from a carbon footprint standpoint and there's a huge amount of waste Uh, take food for example and that's where we focus at therma the food supply chain has a huge carbon footprint. And roughly a third of all food that gets made is thrown out every year, a third, which is a crazy number. It's over a, a, a 1.6 billion tons, a trillion dollar problem according to the Boston Consulting Group. We're trying to tackle that using technology as a vector for change. We're using a combination of new data technologies and new sensor technologies. So using analytics and real-time sensors to catch spoilage events, prevent loss in the supply chain, help reduce overcooling, which is another form and another source of waste, and to ultimately reduce refrigerant emissions. Those are the three big areas where we see opportunities, food waste, energy waste, and refrigerant waste. And I think technology is only one part of the solution, but it is a powerful way to achieve Uh, you know, to do more with less, which is I think one of the challenges of the 21st century. That's Uh, an
3: amazing statistic there that a third of all food waste is uh, lost. How much of that is happening in the supply chain before it gets to
1: our tables? Yeah, roughly, uh, depending on the country, between a third and half of that uh, waste is actually happening upstream. And the problem is worse uh, in, in, in developing economies where infrastructure is weaker, where there's less availability of cold storage. And I think the cold chain is one supply chain. It's not the only one, but it's it's a critical one, both from a human health and a planet health standpoint. And uh, you see, you, you read stories and you see examples of fish rotting on the docks in, in many markets because you can't get them into a refrigerated warehouse. You see food in granaries getting destroyed because... Uh, It can't be stored and moved fast enough, and many, many examples, but um, it's a huge source of inefficiency.
2: I love your passion, Manic, and I'm so pleased you're helping us keep our cool. (laughs) Climate Conversations is published with the support of the Mark Spencer-published Climactic Collective and it's just one of more than 20 podcasts making up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcasts can be found at climactic.fm. Music for Climate Conversations is from the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World. You can find a link to that group in the episode notes. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me, but you could help with the questions, and if there is something specific that needs addressing, But the question is not being asked of whom it should be asked. Please make a suggestion and send it to r.mclean7 at icloud.com. Earlier episodes of Climate Conversations can be found at the Climactic website. Simply search for climactic.fm. Go to the Climate Conversations artwork, click on that, and there you will find all the earlier episodes. Beyond that, in all this climate chaos, remember just a few things. Put your faith in genuine climate science. Also, action is the best antidote to despair. And that, I must add, is one of the drivers of this podcast. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That ends this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care.
1: Collective.